Welcome to It's Hard to Be a Leader podcast. I'm your host, Elena Noel, certified NLP practitioner and CEO and author of Inspiring Accountability in the Workplace. Join me on this podcast for brain-based strategies, insights from guest leaders and coaches, and actionable solutions for your real-world leadership challenges. It has never been more challenging to be a leader, but it's hard to give better support to others if you're not receiving enough support yourself. I've helped thousands of leaders improve employee engagement, accountability, and results, and I'm here to support you in navigating today's challenges so you can enjoy being a leader while bringing out the best performance and fulfillment in your employees. If you would like to submit your leadership challenges and get some support from the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can submit your questions and challenges at it's hard to be a leader In today's episode, we're going to be covering the five myths of accountability in hopes that it will help reframe what you need to move from traditional accountability to inspiring accountability. Let's get into the episode. So I'll share what the five myths are, and then we're going to go through each of them in more detail. The first myth is that adults shouldn't need accountability. So this kind of theme that, hey, we're all adults, we should just be able to do what we say we're going to do. Myth number two is that people don't like accountability. Myth number three is that accountability is uncomfortable. Myth number four is that people should be able to figure things out without help. That's what they're paid to do. And number five is I don't want to hear or make excuses. So this negative relationship that seems to be present with the concept of excuses. So let's jump into myth number one. Myth number one is that adults shouldn't need accountability or any other similar phrase you might use. I hear leaders complain about, I don't want to have to babysit. I don't want to have to hold their hand. And I feel like that is a similar phrase as this, you know, we're all adults. We should just be able to do what we say we're going to do. And this is a myth because being an adult has absolutely nothing to do with our ability to follow through on what we say we're going to do or follow through on what we've been asked in our jobs. The first piece that I want to call attention to is the shoulds. If you find yourself when it comes to accountability saying, well, they should be doing this or they should know better. The first tip is to inventory that should because any should is a disconnection from reality and all change starts from reality, which is where we're at today. So anytime you're sensing that should, if you can build the self-awareness to recognize, oh, wait, I'm talking about an ideal. It might end up being realistic. It might not, but I'm talking about an ideal. You would be better served to get a better result by coming back to, okay, but what is the reality right now? And how do I support getting this desired result? And Gretchen Rubin's work on the four tendencies provides some of the most helpful insight into how individuals respond to both inner expectations and outer expectations. Inner expectations means I have these goals for myself. How much ease of action do I have? And ease of action is how I word it is not how Gretchen Rubin words it, but that's how I've interpreted this. And then outer expectations, meaning especially in the workplace from the company, the boss, et cetera. And why this work is so pivotal to highlighting the myth element of, hey, we're all adults, we should just be able to do this, is because she breaks down four different tendencies of how we respond to these expectations. And the tendency that represents 19% of the population is the upholder. And an upholder's motto can be drilled down to discipline is my freedom. Upholders are excellent at following through on their own expectations and the expectations from others. But let's reiterate that that is only 19% 
of the population, not 100% of adults, not even 50% of adults. Only 19% of people are able to have that ease of action, executing both their own expectations of themselves and the expectations of others. So what does that mean? If you're consuming content that is big on this discipline is my freedom or, or something like that, it's really important not to judge yourself because it's easy for an author or a content creator to be drawn to provide their why this works for them, why this methodology works for them. But at the heart of that is the fact that they are an upholder. They represent this 19%. But who's going to be attracted to read books like that? The rest of the population, 81% of people who do not have that natural tendency and who will probably never have that tendency. Now, there may be, of course, gems and items to learn from, and that's excellent. But keep that in mind when you're thinking about your relationship with how much ease of action you have and use it as a prompt to not judge yourself. If you think about your experience in the workplace, you've probably noticed that many people struggle with accountability. And I think it is so important for us to normalize that being an adult has absolutely nothing to do with our ability to have ease of action on our own or others' expectations. In fact, many of us are supported by outer accountability, and that just creates a clear highway for us. It doesn't need to involve babysitting or handholding. In fact, it can simply just be systems that are set up Certain conversations like the clear results model, ways that you're approaching expectations and how you're following up that engage your employees to take action with ease. And so there's often a lot of resistance from leaders of getting more involved, right? I shouldn't have to be doing this. And what I want to encourage you to think about is if we know that anywhere between, let's say, 50 and 80% of your employees will have tremendous ease of action simply by having accountability measures in place. I hope that that can change your way of thinking about what you may have to do in order to get better performance from your teams. There are ways to do it that are very minimally disruptive to you. In fact, inspiring accountability is all about helping not just tell your employees what to do, but teaching them how to think, facilitating that learning. And that is a part of this process. So what if you were to play with this belief that most adults benefit from having outer accountability measures. If you were to switch that around, what would you do differently? Well, you might be curious about, well, then what does that look like? What is expected of me? How do I do that in a way that best gives them that green light? So I, as a leader, get the performance that I need, but it doesn't have a huge impact on me. And of course, Inspiring Accountability was designed to answer just that how that you have. So feel free to learn more about the clear results model and how you can have those conversations. So myth number one, adults shouldn't need accountability. We're all adults. They should just be able to execute I invite you to consider that actually most adults benefit from outer accountability, and that will allow you to think about, well, how would I do that? And then you can get resources and begin getting better results from your team. So let's talk about myth number two. People don't like accountability. So the reason that this is a myth is because humans gain self-esteem by meeting expectations and being successful. What people don't like is feeling criticized, blamed, or misunderstood. That negative, traditional accountability, which feels confrontational, both as a leader having to deliver it 
and as the recipient. So the definition of accountable, according to Google, is of a person, organization, or institution required or expected to justify actions or decisions. So who would like that? Who would be excited by that? Inspiring accountability pairs getting better results with honoring the human experience, which has just become the baseline demand for employees in the workplace today. Instead, inspiring accountability defines accountable as a person engaged in learning the skills, thinking, and actions needed to achieve a desired result or meet expectations satisfactorily. So we're focusing on the distance between that reality, where are they at now, versus where we were in myth number one, what we should be able to do. The distance between reality and the ideal is learning. Any employee needs to learn something new, how to think differently, new actions, new skills. They need to learn something in order to have their behaviors align with the type of behaviors that get those results consistently and satisfactorily. What they want is they want the supportive structure. They want something that's engaging them, that allows them to learn the skills, thinking, and actions to meet expectations so that they can feel like they're contributing meaningfully, feel competent, and feel important. And those are three needs that are pulled from my hierarchy of human needs in the workplace. So because traditional accountability has proliferated not only history, but is still very present in workplaces today, the more accurate way to say this is people don't like traditional accountability, but people can absolutely enjoy and appreciate, if not need, more effective and inspiring accountability that leaves them inspired and empowered to take action and clear on what action will help lead them to the success they want. And you know who actually really loves accountability? Your highest performers. High performers want to be in environments that have a strong culture of effective accountability that also honors the employee human experience. High performers want that consistent performance from others, and they will leave companies with poor accountability. So myth number two, people don't like accountability. Well, they don't like traditional accountability, but that's a very limited view on what's possible when it comes to inspiring accountability in the workplace. Instead, you can focus on facilitating learning and our clear results model helps you do exactly that. And you can see that on our website at inspiringaccountability.com. Okay, myth number three. Accountability is uncomfortable. So this can be true, but it doesn't have to stay true. In my experience, a lot of leaders see accountability as confrontation, and we all have different ways that our creature brains react to the fear of confrontation. Like we freeze, we flee, which would look like avoiding, avoiding accountability conversations, or we can fawn, which is more passive aggressive, like hinting, or fighting, which is simply moving into confrontation. And these map out to the four key traditional accountability styles I've identified. So you can see where do you go when you have to address accountability? I'll do a separate episode to go into these more deeply, but I'll give you a quick overview. Your style might be to react by assuming, assuming everything is fine. This allows you to avoid having accountability conversations. And that is paired with hope, hope that, Hey, i I feel like it'll be fine. It might just work out if I don't say anything. The next is going to be the delay. And delay is also tied with being hands off. So 
I know I need to have that conversation, but I'm feeling a bit of stress about even having to because I'm so busy. So these are kind of the, I'm really busy leaders and they know they need to address it, but the idea of having to spend time doing it, they allow themselves to use that as a reason to delay addressing it or being hands off. Then we have hint, people who are more comfortable hinting at what they need. Hey, it'd be great if you could, but this is not tied with clear expectations. It's not tied with having a useful conversation. Uh, They are asserting, they're able to say something, but it's missing a lot of elements that create supportive accountability. And the last style is the tell or yell. And so this is the group that relies on a lot of statements, a lot of telling, convincing, uh, all the way to yell. Uh, which for me, the Italian owner of a pizza restaurant I worked at in college was very comfortable with the yelling part of that style. Not so good in professional workplaces. So the tell or yell style is simply moving right into the confrontation. They're not afraid of confrontation. They lean into it. These four styles map out to freeze, flee, fawn, and fight, right? So the first one where you're assuming and you're allowing that to prevent you from having any conversation or even having much emotion about it at all, that's going to be related to the freeze, right? There's nothing to see here. I'm just going to move on. Then we have the flee, which is the delay. We know we need to address it, but we're fleeing that we're too busy or whatever the reason might be. Then we have hinting, which is fawning. I do need to say something and I will, but I'm going to do it in a way to try to keep the peace. But of course, that is not paired with clear expectations or a supportive conversation that facilitates the learning needed. And then we have, of course, fight. It's going to be our tell or yell. The spectrum of emotion expressed there might be uh, quite the range. But again, we're missing clear expectations and a supportive facilitating learning conversation. So I'll be doing another episode diving deeper into those styles. So stay tuned for that. So part of shifting the experience of accountability being uncomfortable to feeling more comfortable and confident in your accountability approach is to move from viewing accountability as a confrontation to seeing it as a conversation. And the clear results model is your guide for that. If you have an accountability conversation that you need to have, in addition to learning the model, you can ask yourself right now, what would I need to think and do differently to be able to approach this as a conversation? So to help make this shift, let's look at the definition of confrontation, a hostile or argumentative meeting or situation between opposing parties. Now, isn't that interesting? Hostile, argumentative between opposing parties. So when you hear that, does that give you an indication that better results are on the way? I would say it does not. So let's look at the definition of conversation, a talk especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. So a talk, especially informal, right? We're not getting heated. We don't need to because we are going to be exchanging ideas. We're going to be having this exchange. That is what we are seeking when it comes to addressing accountability. We all need to know what to do differently before the moment we need to do it differently. And the clear results model helps you have an actual conversation to understand what's getting in the way and given what's in the way, what's possible. How do we bridge the gap? What learning is needed for us to get from where we are now to the desired results sustainably? And of course, when you improve your comfortability in your accountability approach, your employees receive that much more comfortably as well. They don't get triggered 
But if you start it being triggered into one of those traditional styles, you can bet that your creature brain is going to invite their creature brain to play and you're going to have a confrontation, but it is avoidable. It is absolutely practically avoidable. So let's talk about myth number four. People should be able to figure it out without help. Ideally, yes. But again, we want to start in reality. All change starts in reality. So regardless of how true this could be, it's not a useful belief to have for the state of our workplaces. Unfortunately, a lot of us are maxed out on figuring it out, and we are experiencing burnout. So burnout, of course, comes from a lot of uncertainty, which we have had the last few years. And it also comes from this having to figure out everything. The brain is made to automate so that it can be efficient. We all have a fulcrum where an ideal amount of challenge is engaging and where it tips to overwhelm and disengaging. This is when you get a challenge at work and you feel energized to solve it. It engages your brain, but it's because you believe that you can solve it. It feels solvable. It feels doable. If it doesn't feel doable, it doesn't get done. But we have this doable. We believe we can solve it. We're expecting the reward and the satisfaction of having figured it out. Unfortunately, when we have too many challenges we're trying to figure out, that will tip the scale to burnout and our ability to handle challenge with that optimism and engagement, it decreases. So after all the amount of figuring out we have had to do collectively and individually, we have had so little control and so much uncertainty, many of us are still reeling from that burnout. And so yes, many of us figure out things every day in our roles. And part of your employee's job is likely to figure things out, but we are not capable of figuring out everything all the time without some kind of support. I like to think of accountability as a maze. If you've ever done a maze, you may have done them on paper back in the day, or maybe done a corn maze, something more life-size, but a maze is fun because you know that there's the end. You just don't know how you're going to get there. And that is reminiscent of what so many employees are being asked to do, figure out new things while we're figuring out so much else. So, you know, sometimes it works out just fine, but it's hard to navigate the maze from the inside. So the role that you can have is to ease burnout that might associate it by helping them learn from what's not working, helping them think bigger about what else they can try, how else can they get there. And granted, this is for your most stuck accountability challenges, right? There's plenty that they're probably figuring out just fine. That's great. Inspiring accountability is really useful when what you have tried so far is not moving the needle and you don't know what else to do. Inspiring accountability can be a really helpful resource there. So you can hold the belief that people should be able to figure it out without help, but it just may not be very useful to you leading your team. I mean, after all, what does a leader help do? You're helping develop. You don't want to just tell them, here's how you get through the maze. Go right, right, left, left, right. You want to teach them how to think, teach them how to problem solve so that they grow their confidence and become more and more capable of meeting these ever-changing expectations. The other quick note I'll make about this is with the dramatic technology changes that have happened over the last 10, 20 years, many jobs require a lot more critical thinking. And this skill set is not so much taught in school. It's going to be learned experientially at work. And so I'm seeing this trend where leaders are frustrated that their employees, especially younger generations, don't know things that seem really obvious, whether that's about 
how to operate in the workplace or how to have respectful relationships with the boss or how to manage delivering on expectations. And what I'm seeing is there's that resistance, right? They should know better. Uh, They should be able to figure it out. They should have the skill set. And so either the leader stays hands off because they're in this, well, I shouldn't have to be the one to teach them. And then the employee never learns. And then they go to another job. And before you know it, no one has invested this time to be teaching these employees these valuable skill sets. And I'm just kind of planting a seed here, conversational seed, that I think there will be a greater call. In fact, I think it's already here for leaders to include in their leadership the type of conversations that are not telling what to do, but they are requiring this type of growth in strategic thinking and more accountability. And the clear results model can help you do that. If you do it for them, you take it from them. I do believe there's going to be a bigger call for leaders in helping grow this new workforce in a way that many don't want to and many don't think they should have to do. So stay tuned. I'll be developing resources for that as well. But inspiring accountability is a great place to start. And last but not least, myth number five. I don't want to hear excuses or personally, I don't want to make excuses. So this is a myth because you've probably heard it, if not thought it, if not said it. I know I certainly have. It's become normalized. It's become even celebrated at times, but it will absolutely keep you from getting better results from your team. And here's why. Inspiring accountability sees excuses as valid reasons. Excuses reveal reality. And since we have to start in reality, if we want to make change, we want to know what is in the way so we can include it in the pathway forward. So I'm going to read an excerpt from Inspiring Accountability in the Workplace on excuses. Excuses sound like avoiding accountability, but they actually let you know what you need to account for to successfully get the result. Excuses are like helpful road signs. They tell you what's ahead so you can better choose how to get where you're going. An excuse only remains a barrier to results when left unspoken. Only when what's in the way is brought to light can we ask what's possible. From here, excuses become an essential part of navigating to the solution. Once expressed, excuses become a tangible tool to incorporate into the solution, either through removing, reducing, or adapting to what's in the way. A simple way to think about it is if you're driving to a place you want to go, And there's a road sign up about a hazard ahead, right? It's a lane closed, so everything's slow, et cetera. Well, you can sit there and say, well, this lane should be open. I should be able to go. But the reality is you can't. And at least you're getting a heads up about what's to come. So you can make a choice. You can make a choice if you want to wait in that traffic and alert someone that you're going to be late. Or if this is going to be an ongoing closure, you can make a different choice tomorrow, either leave earlier or take a different path there. This is why we want to unearth excuses and why we want to honor them as valid reasons for that individual. Even if you think they may be a little bit ridiculous or not that genuine, when you learn how to navigate excuses and work with them, you will learn how much you love to hear them because it allows you to move forward and incorporate a realistic solution. So I think a lot of times leaders don't like to hear excuses because they're concerned that They hear an excuse and they don't know how to navigate it. They don't know how to respond. They're like, okay, I get that you're late because this happened, but you just have to be on time, right? Well, that's the telling style. We haven't accomplished anything. There's been no learning. There's been no strategic how to move us forward. And again, we have to know what to do differently before we need to do it differently. So instead navigating excuses, 
which of course I teach, talk about. The fundamental piece of that that I will give you today is you want to ask when there's an expectation that hasn't been met, what got in the way there? Instead of saying, I don't want to hear excuses, you want to welcome them. You want to hear the reasons. So you listen to the reason or the reasons. And from there, then you can say, given that reason, what's possible for you to still get the result next time. And there's many variations of this. The core of it is given what's in the way, what's possible, but it can be given that challenge. How else can you ensure that you're able to meet this desired result? How else can you get there? What else can you do? It's an open-ended question that's not stopping at the excuse. It's incorporating the excuse in because someone can tell you, Hey, you should have been there on time. And you can say, I agree. But if there was a road closure, what were you supposed to do? And how does it feel when someone tries to hold you accountable for something that's out of your control? It doesn't feel good. And so especially given the state of our workforce where they are demanding a more human-centric workplace, they want their realities to matter. And if you care about getting results, you got to care about the people getting the results. And so this is a great way to both honor the realities that happen in this world to, again, start in reality and move forward with facilitating that learning and prompting new thinking that's going to get that result more realistically and more sustainably. So there you have it, five of the biggest myths around accountability and just an introduction to how inspiring accountability can help you navigate those and completely change your influence and ability to get better results from your team while keeping them engaged, receptive to your feedback and resourceful towards solutions. So a quick recap, myth number one, adults shouldn't need accountability. Well, actually, many adults really benefit from it. And if you can work it in as a system, you can create a open freeway for much more success. And it doesn't have to be a big burden on you. Myth number two, people don't like accountability. Well, now we know people actually don't like traditional accountability, which is deep in our history and DNA. But actually, your highest performers love accountability. It's just about finding that right resource that allows you to bring that into your organization. And myth number three, accountability is uncomfortable. But hopefully now you know it doesn't actually have to be. We don't have to have a confrontation. We can absolutely, in fact, we want to have a conversation. And the Clear Results Model is your guide to having an engaging conversation that drives accountability and results. Myth number four, people should be able to figure it out without help. As you know, so many people still stuck in burnout. We're maxed on figuring it out. And sometimes the issue is something we simply cannot navigate ourselves when we're in that maze. It might be a skill building. It's some new thought that we haven't had. And we need leadership to help lead us to not just what to do, but how to think. Open our minds by facilitating that learning. And number five, I don't want to hear excuses. Hopefully now you can start to think about excuses as reasons and realize how valuable they are and getting that realistic result in this really busy world. That's it for this episode. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me today. I welcome your questions and your feedback. So you can go to it's hard to be a leader podcast.com and submit your questions or accountability challenges. I would love to answer them on the podcast. You can find out more about me, Elena Noel, check out the book and other workshops and services at inspiringaccountability.com. Together, let's work with what makes us human and make work and the world a better place. We'll see you next time.